0: Welcome to Auto Catch Up, your weekly recap on all things automotive news here in Australia and around the world, as well as dabbling into a little bit of motorsport too. Uh, this week, we've got a big show. Um, it seemed to be the week that everybody released uh, some sort of pricing or a availability announcement. So we'll dive through that for you, um, as well as some good news, um, such as Ford Australia investing back into their design center renovation, as well as um, a few people are quite excited about. About the Porsche Taycan launch. To talk through all of that, um, I'm your host Ash, and also I've got Joel Strickland at Joel Strick Photo. Welcome, Joel. How's your week been? Hey Ash, not bad. It's uh, been a bit busy one for you again, or uh, keeping it fairly yeah, relaxed. Yeah,
1: it's uh, bits and pieces here and there. Just uh, lots of filming and stuff for, for a variety of clients, which is uh, which has been keeping me out of trouble. Yeah,
0: that's that's always good. Well, i um, I've been driving the uh, i30. Hatch from Hyundai in the active spec, so sort of following along with the the trend of uh, the past few weeks of jumping through the i30 range, and um, look, at, it it sort of reminds you of just how good regular cars are um, as a whole, you know, for for the pricing and, and what they offer as a whole. It's kind of refreshing just to see how far we've come in, you know, in these offerings like this. I've got wireless CarPlay. I've got, um, you know, leather, leather seat, a nice big infotainment screen, um, radar cruise control. And this, you know, this is the active model. So this isn't a super high spec or anything like that. Um, and it's probably well representative of what most people probably experience um Jumping into an i30 in the hatch, and um, yeah, it's it's been a been a good week. And um, jumping into the the Palisade, though, the big SUV that's new from Hyundai uh, tomorrow, so that's going to be another oh, interesting be experience. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. It's the seven seat spec, so um, it should have the the captain's chairs in the second row compared yeah, to the eight seater.
1: Rooms like with the captain's chair set up.
0: Yeah, so from what I've seen in photos, it's very similar to like what um, we're probably used to in the Carnival, um, their people mover van, but just sort of in a SUV style. Um, that's kind of the way that I, I think about it anyway. Um, but I've seen the, the entry-level spec in person and um, it is a it is a big car. Um, there's no getting around that. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it and sort of exploring those those features that they've packed into that and, and comparing it. Um Against even you know their their more luxurious luxurious take in in the Genesis and sort of seeing how much of that sharing of knowledge has come from you know either way in in developing a, a sort of a larger SUV so that's going to be exciting um, but let's let's get straight into the news because there's a ton to to talk about so the first one um, here is basically Ford Australia have it's sort of nice to have this re. You know, sort of confirmation that they're still committed to Australia by by investing twelve million dollars into a renovation of the 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 design center. Um, So, yeah, if you're not familiar with the design center, so even though we don't have cars built here in Australia by Ford anymore, um, the Ford design center here in Australia is kind of important for a lot of global products that Ford makes. So, um, you know, if you've heard of the, obviously, the the Ford Ranger, the Falcon, the Everest, the Territory, just some of the ones that they've built or sort of designed here completely. And, um, yeah, it's sort of, it's nice to know that at least they're further increasing that investment here and so should be around for a little bit longer.
1: Which is good to see for them to spend the money. We know that they've done um, a lot of stuff Uh, here in Australia, testing overseas vehicles and things like that, obviously, for our climate you know, and they were going to test outside of um, America at times of the year and stuff like that. So, yeah, it makes sense for Ford to to reinvest and and to spend money on developing that centre even more.
0: Yeah, so they say that the renovation will have um, 100 new workstations, an extension of the clay modelling workshop, a new five-axis gantry milling centre and an expanded outside courtyard. Um, So, yeah, that's... kind of exciting what they say is that that five axis gantry mill is a basically an interface between the physical and digital worlds taking information from the computer and quickly and accurately translating into the physical uh with a greater level of detail so obviously this is providing all the tools they could possibly need to to develop their products better and probably in a more efficient and timely manner
1: yeah, it's good it's good for them to see them uh, spending the money uh, and developing here in Oz.
0: Yeah, so um, another another exciting thing and probably for, for the EV fans out there and, and Porsche fans out there. So after a bit of a lead time, really, um, deliveries have finally started for the 2021 Porsche Taycan here in Australia. Um, so dealers over the weekend have had their own sort of launch um, programs and it's been one of those interesting things where I was quite surprised even with the overall demand for product right now for the Porsche Taycan, because in the first twelve months, they, well, before the vehicle even launched internationally, they had a, about thirty thousand pre-orders. Um, but a lot of photos and um, what I saw from it from dealers across all over Australia, um, some had one vehicle, and and others had up to um, uh, up to six vehicles on display and available um, for people to have a look at. So that. Um, really really exciting to have that finally come under come down under um, Mark Weber was here in, in Queensland um, uh, as part of the the Brisbane dealership launch and also was part of the promo vehicle, uh, promo video uh, taking some uh, some future uh, customers um, to a, to attract uh, event at uh, at Norwell to experience a vehicle with him taking them a hot lap. So that's that's pretty um, pretty exciting. And they're saying that there's a, apparently about 100 Taycans in the country right now. Um, yeah, so that's, that's really exciting. And uh, you can jump onto the Porsche Australia website and configure your own and get pricing for it now. Um, the four... Uh, there's there's a number of different model variants as well available to us. So we've got the 4S, the Turbo and the Turbo S um, and that power ranges from 350 kilowatts, 420 and 560 kilowatts, um, each with a, a larger battery pack um, as well. And there's dual electric motors um, with yeah that 79.2 kilowatt hour or 93.4 kilowatt hour lithium iron battery. Um, what's interesting is the pricing. So the pricing is might surprise some. It's still it's not cheap. Um, but the 4S model starts at 190,000 um, plus your on-road costs. And if you want to go all out with the Turbo S, that starts out at just a a mere $338,000. But you can basically go nuts with the options and um, add up to about $100,000 on top of that um, with all of the different tweaks and touches that you can add to make it fully your own. But, you know, $190,000, that's that's not a bad entry level for a car like this and particularly with the Porsche logo, given that um, that sits basically at a, a top-spec Boxster Cayman and well below an entry-level 911.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty impressive car. I went to the dealership on the weekend, my local one, to have a look uh, with a mate to just uh, crawl over and have a bit of a uh, look at what they look like. And they had three um, on the floor. They had a 4S in that wonderful... Um, there's a, a pale blue that uh, Porsche are doing, which is stunning. And then they had two... Um, turbos, uh, and then mm-hmm. they had a bunch sitting in bays waiting for, obviously, to do dealer, um, final dealer delivery and prep for handing over to owners, and then this morning when I went for a run, I actually happened to saw my first one on the road. Ah, um, cool. So someone in the, in the area around me has taken delivery, it had personalized plates on it, um, and that looked to be a, I only saw the front of it, but from the noticeable wheels on the front, it looked like a Turbo S, so nice and um what 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 are
0: your thoughts how do you feel now we've had a bit of time t- for the naming convention to sink in but where do you sit with the the turbo use in a for an electric car
1: I don't know it's it's a weird it's a weird choice by Porsche but the way I've seen it explained is that it's just um, it's just their model designation. So, yeah. it instantly it, you instantly know the speed or not the speed the power between them between you go from a 4S to a turbo to a turbo S. Yeah. It's logical if you are if you if you have any understanding of Porsches you instantly know which is the top model and which is the entry point model. So, mm-hmm. um, I get it. Um, I know a lot of people. Don't understand it and don't like that, you know, it's a turbo, even though it's not really a turbo, it's electric, but I get it. And it does make it a lot simple for to explain, you know, to people that, well, the 4S is your entry point, the turbo S is your top of the range, and your turbo is your midpoint. So, um, yeah, I understand it, but uh, yeah, but um, those, they're talking about those Aeroblade wheels, the $14,000 option, they are a stunning wheel. But one of the dealerships actually had a, when I read this, referencing the aeroblades I actually thought the aeroblade might refer to another one which has there is a, one of the ones in the dealership and there's a story on my um, uh, my personal Instagram that I shot some pictures from over the weekend Joel underscore, underscore strick uh, on Instagram check out my take on story that I shot um, on there you'll actually see some footage of one of the wheels that was there which was a very 80s um, remember the old F1 cars and the Audi Quattro there's uh, awesome wheel covers. Yeah. it looks just like that, and it looks yeah. so good on the car as well. So, um, but yeah, it's an impressive thing. You sit in the car. Um, you know, it's plenty of space. Uh, the The interior is just glorious with the way that they've set it up. the The passenger has their own full LCD screen. Um, the dash. Um, has followed from a couple of the other model Porsches at the moment and having that really nice, effectively three screens in one screen um, for, your, for your centre console of your your, um, your dashboard and then your centre console is also a really nice large screen as well so the design's been really well done um, and you know, you've done, done a great job but yeah, it is a, a stunning car and I think it'll do really well. Um, this car advice article we were referencing says just 13 have been Sold, but I reckon uh, that might have been just obviously the, the first ones that were hitting. Um... It, that's going to be way way oh, yeah. higher for sure yeah. because. And the talk the talk is that I read is that a lot of um, people are buying the setup um, and actually having the obviously the the charger system set up because you actually need um, a higher. Um, the phase setup of power to run yeah. the, the charger because it obviously charges at such a yeah. fast rate. But a lot of people are installing it not just in one location but in multiple locations. So, yeah. you know, the car can be used and, and charged at different parts of where they're, you know, where they're driving and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. home that, and work that, or, you know, other locations. But, yeah, it's pretty yeah. amazing.
0: Well, I find it a bit interesting. It's a bit weird how Car Advice have mentioned that just 13 have been because it's – don't forget that um, – that number within VFAX also includes demo vehicles which have been registered. And if you think about it, there's 14 local dealerships in Australia. And if there's 13 registered, that almost accounts for one in each each dealership. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if that's just dealer demos.
1: Yeah, early dealer demos with um, the rest happening at a later date.
0: Yeah, because they are saying that each of the, the, the fourteen local dealerships will have show, showroom stock, and um, they should there should be an option to you know for those interested to to have a test drive of one. So, yeah, I think yeah definitely um, want
1: to be going uh, behind and having a test drive. Yeah, of you you given have, the the, the number of people
0: to... at events I've seen. Um, related to the Taycan and for those who essentially are customers who have placed an order. There's a lot more than 13 people just in Queensland alone. So I wouldn't, it'd be interesting to see in the first few months, I think after deliveries have started to happen um, to see where that tracks because yeah, I think this is a monumental model and a hero model for electric vehicles in in particular. Um, We've had Tesla really kickstart The whole EV movement, absolutely, and they've led the way. But I think it's, you know this for a lot of people and car people in particular, not just EV enthusiasts, but, but car enthusiasts, where there's a lot of excitement around this car more so than, and and I think it's kind of like those early adopters are super important and it's been really helpful for Tesla. And now this is going to be that next start of that next wave now where, um, your more mainstream brands are, are pushing and, and what a way to start, um, yeah, so this is going to be really exciting. It's going to really up the ante, particularly with the new updated Model S that's coming, um, where they have improved a lot of the performance. Things they have refreshed the interior, so it's going to, you know, set up an interesting, you know, um, inevitable comparison that's going to be happening. I, I guarantee in the next few months, um, as as you know, we start to see more of these.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing is is that there is a talk that they're. Well, they have announced that there is a real drive, but it may not come here for a for a not too distant in the distant future. It's not here now with the the current models. All three current models are all all-wheel drive, but there yeah. is a, possibly a rear-wheel drive coming. So that would be quite fun to see what that's like to drive as well.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see um, some more. Even if that rear-wheel drive sits in lower in the model range, because oh, yeah, also. This is—it's really interesting how they've launched because if you are familiar with the Porsche naming nomenclature, it is the the Turbo S and the Turbo that sit right at the top of the train uh, at the, the tree. Then your 4S is a, sort of like your mid-range, um, if you're wanting the all-wheel drive option, and then you'll have your rear-wheel drive vehicles as well. So it, there's definitely room to see that. Push further down, and you know, could we be seeing a hundred and fifty thousand dollars starting point for a, a Porsche Taycan? Um, I, I absolutely think so, and um, with the way the car market's going at the moment, I think there's certainly an appetite for a hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you know, electric sports car like this.
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: Okay, so. Alfa Romeo, we've, this is a, a bit of an interesting one. This is more rumour-based at the moment, but um, apparently uh, Alfa Romeo are working on a BMW 5 Series Rival um, set to to debut in 2025. And the reason why I've included this into this spot, I think, is because I think this is a really interesting segment because we have a, a bunch of car makers that are creating mid-sized or large Luxury vehicles, um, but the VFX like even here in Australia, the VFX don't really line up with where this attention and focus is going into this area, and I, so I find this really interesting. Where a brand like um, Alfa Romeo are starting to look, you know, in this space, going well, maybe do we build a, a bigger thing that sort of fits into there above the Julia? Um, while on the flip side, we've got brands like Jaguar who are essentially. you know shifting their focus a bit and the large sedans are really the ones that have been you know left on the you know on the ground after the chopping block so this is i find this really interesting um the renders which they've got make it look really you know kind of really exciting and um, yeah i I just I'm, i'm excited about it but i just don't know if there's going to be a market for it
1: yeah, I think it's one of those things that I'm intrigued not from the fact that it's Alfa Romeo, but the, fa- the fact that it's Fiat Chrysler um, yep. really is behind this. So what does that mean for the other models in their brand? So, you know, obviously, if they're going to go down the route for Alfa, is it going to come from something else? So many brands now build stuff um, across different platforms and use that technology across other, other models and across other brands with something like this you know, FCA and, and yeah. you, Stellantis um, company structure. I think it certainly is an interesting thing. So could that be that we're going to see, you know, a, a luxury sedan um, come under, under the Stellantis brand, for example, like Genesis or something and end up in America? So I think that, you know, it's got very, very interested, interesting sort of presence and what it'll do and where it'll end up. Um, yeah yeah i think it's it's quite it's quite interesting and the fact that even for alpha to go with their first electric car i think um you know it it could be it could be quite interesting
0: yeah i think yeah it's yeah i don't know it's it's just one of those ones we're gonna have to wait and see um and you know obviously it's uh if if they do go EV, obviously, will set them up well with 2025, given that, yeah, Jaguar, that's when they're planning on being all electric. And um, we'll get to it later. But even, you know, Aston Martin are laying out their plans for aiming for 2030. Um, But also... Despite and and despite the the focus of even you know Jaguar Land Rover, we've got Land Rover who announced just re, um, you know on the twenty fifth that they're building a Defender with the with three hundred eighty six kilowatt five liter blown V eight. Um, it's going to be two hundred plus thousand, um, and yeah, talk about mental in the most extreme ways, and um, certainly probably aiming to take shot at the. Uh, the G sixty three from from Mercedes.
1: Yeah, it's, it's exciting news to hear this this week that um, yeah. that they are going to do a you know a V eight version um, in the same sort of period that they're saying that they are going to go sort of well, a trick moving forward. Um, so yeah, it's not going to be cheap, but it is exciting to see that uh, it's going to have a three hundred and yeah. eighty kilowatt. You know, not just a five liter V eight, but a blown V eight. Um, you know, I think that's pretty exciting. So I think it's coming from the um uh, from you know other members of the land Rover family uh, so I think that um it's quite it's quite exciting uh, yeah. I just hope that um we definitely see it down under
0: yeah so it's um they're saying with the 90 version um <laughs> with a zero to 100 time of 5.2 seconds um and a 240 kilometer hour top speed which sort of makes sense it isn't the most aerodynamic friendly vehicle um but it is the fastest and most powerful defender ever. Um, to reach series production and if you look at previous versions of the defender i'm not too surprised um they're not sports orientated at all they are built for going off-road and uh adventuring and um but yeah i i love these sorts of projects and particularly when they do make it to um to to production and particularly when they come down under this is a cool project and um, yeah given the number of g63s I see floating around I think we'll see a few of these getting around too yeah I think it's uh, it'll be very interesting uh, so Aston Martin like we like sort of alluded to so um, this is th- again increasingly more common but Aston Martin are now saying uh, or planning an all hybrid and EV lineup by 2030 so they're not going to be completely eliminating uh, internal combustion but um, the plan is to have an all hybrid or EV lineup by 2030 so um, this is not really anything um, anything new or unexpected but that's you know, at least it's nice to know that the the V twelve, um, which Andy Palmer has said, you know, they need to, they want to keep the key key core technology within the company, and that's why we make our own V twelve engines, and we believe that EVs are a core technology, and therefore we want to do them ourselves. So this is a, a great signal, um, despite even just uh, just recently as the impact of. Um, COVID hits them where their sales have slumped 32%. Um, you know, this is a, a good sign of, uh, you know, confidence within the brand. It's going to be interesting to see what they come up with and, and how their models adapt to that and what performance they're able to, to, to get out of it. We are seeing, um, you know, more and more, the, particularly hybrid versions, are, are bringing new levels of performance that were never really attainable before. Um, Just look at the Ferrari and the SF90. Um, It's just unreal what they're able to do with these hybrid systems, let alone going to, you know, without even needing to make the full jump to a full um, electric vehicle. But yeah, this is uh, very, very exciting. And um, the Rapid E, um, which is going to be the first result sort of coming out of this, um, it's going to be, you know, if you're not familiar with the the Rapid E, um, or the repeat? It's an electric four-door um, sedan. It's, yeah, so it's going to be really interesting to see and, um, you know, how that sort of moves moves forward.
1: Yeah, it's uh, interesting um, with all that, you know, that, that they're following kind of the suits that what Jaguar is doing as well. But I think, yeah, with all the changes around the world that like was spoken about previously, I think it's kind of a, the expected thing now. Yeah. And do
0: you think the, the DBX, the their SUV, is going to help recover some of these sales? It, I've got to say, it's a, a brilliant-looking um, SUV that after Aston Martin have been able to build and um, kind of in a similar strain to Porsche. They, they haven't completely butchered the their design language um, to accommodate this new sort of vehicle.
1: Yeah, it certainly makes for... Um... Uh, interesting thinking I think yeah you're like most of these brands have done that whole DBX style of car to be able to do that to be able to help with the um, uh, to help with their sort of like you know with, uh, their, um, missions targets K&Z, and yeah real success for Porsche and so everyone's kind of followed suit as a result so
0: yeah, and um, you know it's really important to have a good-looking car, particularly you know Aston Martin is in a fairly interesting position where they have had a lot of renewed investment in the company, but also um, you know they still have a lot of a lot of challenges ahead, and um, obviously with with Aston Martin entering Formula One and this this transition to the EV lineup, um, yeah, this is going to be a, a, a very crucial time for Aston Martin as a brand to, to whether, you know, can they survive, can they weather um, what it is. Certainly a lot of brand equity in the, in the name. Um, it just depends on how far it gets them right now. But Peugeot. So if you haven't uh, seen it, a Peugeot are, are going through a sort of a, a way to well, what they're calling the brand renaissance um, with the new Roaring Lion. So probably just as uh, Holden's Roaring Lion goes away, Peugeot have stepped up and introduced their own, slightly re the, the the car maker a little bit more up market. And um, I don't mind it. I, I, I think it's quite quite clear you know sort of i don't know it's hard to describe it's just it's clean it's uh you know exactly what it is and um probably makes it look good on a, on, on merch as well and
1: cars yeah it's a different look i like it um yeah it, it does look a little bit protonish um to yeah that's degree. true yeah. Um, but i like it it's, it's certainly very
0: different for uh, for what it is so well, luckily, luckily Proton is sort of hasn't been around for a while. It's probably slipped out of the memory for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, even though I still see a few getting around. Um, but, yeah, it is... We do expect the new logo to be making its debut on cars in the new Peugeot 308, which is due to come out soon. And... Um, I guess like like Kia, it's going to take a bit of time for, for this transition to happen because unlike a, a technology company or any other company where it's just a logo on a letterhead, um, this logo is you know, it's, it's on products and um, it's usually not something where they update it halfway through. You know, cars being produced right now are going to have the new logo and, uh, and then on. So it's usually going to take a number of years for that transition to fully happen. Um, but yeah, I'll, I think it's a step in the right direction for peugeot um it'd be great to see more on the road here but i think that's uh you know we we'll, we'll spoke about the new distribution plan in the past and um yeah we're, we're hopeful very much so okay so this one this has been coming for a long time we've, we've spoken about it probably way at the beginning of the show you know when we started recording and that's hyundai Ionic and um And that sub brand which they're wanting to do, so the Ionic started off as a as a model very similar to how Genesis was introduced to us so Genesis was introduced via you know the the hyundai genesis and um and probably about eighteen months later they introduced the you know a whole new sub brand and the ion, ion- i oh, sorry the ionic. Um, has basically had the same thing happen. So right now we've got the Hyundai Ionic, and now the sub-brand is starting to come into its own. So it still shares the Hyundai name, um, but the Ionic Five is the first of a number of new models coming that are fully electric and um, depart from what we, you know, what we typically know of being the. The, the Hyundai, I guess, style, you know, their design language. Um, so it looks like, for me, you know, it looks great. It, it's got, it's, it's, they call it an SUV, but it really doesn't look like an SUV. It just looks like a hatch, a large hatch. Um, but when you look at it, it looks like a, uh, what would you call it? Like a an 80s concept car in a way with the wheels and the lights oh, and the look, styling you know, the, wheel, the wheels and in the lights. An, in a yeah. good way.
1: I think it's just more a modern spin on a, um, on a on a hatch, it's kind of looked like a, the concept version of what the Audi A1 probably looked at back in it back in its day. So um, yeah, yeah, I, I really like the wheels. I love the look of it. It's got some great lines. Very Hyundai with that line down the side and everything as well. Yeah, um, and that new grille on the front end. So yeah, it's um it's exciting, and the the whole eight hundred V fast charging, I think, is really really cool as well.
0: Yeah, so it is built on their modular platform. So they're calling it the Electric Global Modular Platform. Um, And so that supports both 400 volt and 800 volt multi-charging. And um, they call like a, essentially a vehicle to load function, which turns the vehicle into a charger itself. Um, But I do love the styling. On the outside, it's got a lot of angular lines. It is, it's both rounded and sharp at the same time. Um, But I love the detail in these tail lights. So then it's it, it's appeared like a fully integrated bar across, which incorporates the logo. Um, but the, the brake lights are, for example, like these large LED icons. So it almost looks like the old 80s style displays that you you would come across um in places and it looks so cool i just i love the look of it it's kind of hard to grasp how big it really is um because it is an suv but at the same time it does look from certain angles the same size of like a a golf um but i think uh yeah this is this is very cool and i'd love to to see one in person Um, But there are two battery pack options. So there's a 58 kilowatt hour and a 72.6 kilowatt hour and two electric motor layouts. So you've got rear wheel drive or front and rear wheel. And yeah, the 225 kilowatts of power, 605 newton meters of torque and zero to 100 in 5.2 seconds. Um, Yeah, I I really love it. it. The interior reminds me of a little bit of the BMW i3, where you've got that, big open area um, and you don't have that transmission tunnel of course and um, there's two big lcd screens and yeah very very clean very tidy i probably wouldn't go for the 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 beige and white interior it's like
1: something a little bit darker i think
0: yeah yeah absolutely but um but I can sort of see, yeah, there's, there's tons of storage space, which for, a, you know, you can never have enough storage space in a car. And um, it seems to be fairly cleverly, and you have to jump on the link that we include in the show notes, but a very cleverly placed um, cup holders as well. It's just, it doesn't compromise too much, but it gives you everything that you need at the same time. And with no transmission tunnel or center console, so to speak, it just makes things feel and look really open, which is quite nice.
1: Quite interesting. There was a bit of a couple of tweets floating around this week that people had uh, photoshopped some different wheels on it. Someone had photographed, photoshopped some eye load wheels on it. It was uh, quite an interesting. Look with that, for something <laughs> yeah. a little bit different.
0: Yeah. No. So yeah, this looks great, and there is an Ionic six and. Uh, Ionic Seven uh, coming, as well as a whole bunch of um, Kia EVs. So I expect, um, yeah, you know, we're going to be going to be learning a lot more as we go. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see some pricing and and some eventual dates as well, because I think um, again, it's just that the beginning of the onslaught of uh, of the major brands and and what they you know. After a few years of learning, here's what they are able to to d- to deliver.
1: Yeah, exactly. All
0: right, motorsport news. Not too much going on, um, but a couple of interesting things. So Alpine um, have confirmed that Alonso won't be travelling to the UK for the new car car launch next week. Um, if you've been living under a rock and or don't follow F1, um, he was involved in a in a cycling accident earlier. Um, in February and broke his jaw colliding with a car. So he has um, he has left hospital now, but he has had to have surgery on his jaw. And um, yeah, he will be spending that time recovering, which I think <laughs> nobody's going to be too upset. I think people are quite understanding of what um, the path he's got to be able to, you know, be up and, and ready for uh, the opening of the season.
1: Yeah, it's... Um- uh, the main thing is, he, you know, he should be ready in time for the season, but it's a shame that he won't be uh, at the launch. But, you know, the launch is... So much of it is being done online and stuff like that, so I don't think it's the end of the world. But, yeah, you know, no. the sooner he is back and um, healthy and ready to jump in the car, I think that's more important. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. And um, we will go through all the deliveries and things like that once um, we've got the entire sort of lineup ready to go and we can sort of poke and, and look at what we don't like or, you know, what we're sort of seeing coming out from from the teams. But um, we still have a number of teams to, to reveal, including Aston Munn. That should be happening uh, in the next day or so um, if I remember correctly and uh, we've had Mercedes tease their livery so we're going to be seeing a bit of a black silver and red um, outfit from them I don't think there's going to be any surprise major surprises um, from Ferrari I do do hear that there's going to be a a two-tone red potentially um, but just like Red Bull, it's Ferrari. So, um, don't expect too far of a deviation. Um, but what is interesting coming out is that Bernardo, the the team boss, has said that they've recovered quite a lot of speed on the straights, um, according to their data. Which, um, whether you love or hate Ferrari, it's uh, it's always nice when you see more competition. And um, if we can see Ferrari pushing their way back up the uh, the ladder um, or up the grid. So to speak, uh, I think that's a that's a good win for everyone.
1: Yeah, I think it is, and um, you know, it's it's that early, early time um, prior to launch or to to launches and first test and stuff like that, where everyone's playing, you know, saying that um, everyone's you know going to have a better car and whatever else. But until we see that, you know, that first that first cars on track for testing, and then obviously first race. I think that's when uh, everything is really, you know, we see. Honestly, we see where everyone is going to sit in the field, and then how the development then runs from for the season from there. Yeah,
0: it it definitely won't be until Quali um where we really have an idea because uh we know mercedes is notorious at sandbagging we know that ferrari regardless they send they tend to be super fast and then they drop off like a rock um and then everybody else is sort of it's a mixed bag so yeah i'm i'm really excited there's a there's enough to enough changes this season to sort of keep things interesting The 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 cost cap is going to be really um yeah, that's going to be again interesting to sort of see happening um you know and how that impacts all of it but no so it's not too far now and um yeah we'll we'll be talking about that once we have more to talk about um but this is pretty exciting uh Good. Ken Block's first
1: rally-winning Subaru has come up for sale. What do you What do you think of this? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Ken actually posted about it the other day. So this has actually has appeared on a new. We love our car auction websites, and we've talked about it few. Yeah. But there's another new one that's hitting the market, um, which is. Um, oh. Uh, Wall Street Motorsport. Uh, This is what it's appearing on. And so, yeah, Ken's, um, now that he's no longer alleviated to to a brand, um, you know, maybe he's having a bit of a clear out. But, uh, yeah, this car is pretty famous. He did a lot of, um, I love it, Ken actually posted in his tweet saying, for sale, slightly used 2002 Subaru WX STI, to adult own a car always babied never abused low mileage that's yeah. right you can own the car that I drove to my first ever rally win the rally of the 100 acre woods in 2006 and set a world record in the TV show Stunt Junkies so um, yeah it's uh, interesting it'd be um, it'd certainly be a good buy because um, you know, there's a bit of there's certainly a little bit of heritage with this thing and um, it'd be pretty awesome it's currently at $53,000 still got two days left so um, yeah, you know the the famous jump that he did with it. Um, it's obviously in a slightly different livery now to when he raced it. It was in more the Subaru blue. Um, but yeah, it uh, you know to own a bit of history, rallying history from America, but also a car that Ken Block's owned. I think at even you know 50 grand, even if it gets to doubles and goes to 100 grand, I think it's um, it'd be a nice car to own.
0: Yeah, and uh, following that jump, I'd love to sort of see the state of the entire vehicle underneath um, because when you do a jump like that, it doesn't necessarily go try go lightly on, the, uh, uh, on no. the entire chassis. We know that he's like that, but know- they know how to
1: build cars to make them do That's those true. kind of jumps. So.
0: Yeah. Um, and so a couple of interesting things, and then we'll, we'll talk about supercars as well because we had the, the Bathurst season opener going on. Um, but... If you're uh, in the market to own an extreme track car um, and you've got the money to go with it, um, look, you're in luck. You can buy the Lamborghini Ascenza C- uh, SC V12 and... Um, and yeah, there's going to be 40 forty well-heeled owners um, able to become members of the the club, and it's it seems to be very similar to the um, the Ferrari XX program, where essentially you don't take the car, um, they manage it, they look after it, they they prep it for the for the track, and um, all you need to do is just turn up and drive it. Um, but this is an insane looking thing. Um, Definitely takes uh, what we see as a Lamborghini all the way to the extreme. It's 620 kilowatts of power, um, but obviously in an essentially a race trim. Um, so there's a lot of power to to put it down. Um, but yeah, so it joins the joins the club of, of the Ferrari FXXK, the McLaren P1 GTR, and um, yeah, it's a. It's not cheap, it's in the millions of dollars. Um, so, yeah, it's a. Maybe we won't be racing down and doing it, but, you know, Osloto hits 20 million tomorrow. Um, so, who knows?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's sad, though, that this car, according to Australian Finn Review, has been bought by an investment company and it's going to sit in Lamborghini's storage facility and it's purely going to be used as an investment. Um, the car sales article that we're referring to actually cites the fact that you know FFXKs um, originally sold for 2.6 before recently selling for 4.3 and the McLaren P1 GDR which um, recently sold for 2.6 then went under the hammer for 4.1 obviously it's an investment thing so you know a new form of investment we've talked about yeah. weird kind of car investments before but buying a race car like this and never driving it kind of seems like a bit of a waste but you know, it's all about that investment now. Kind of like, I find- you know, kinda like um, classic number plates. They're probably yeah. a, a little bit better in terms of your investment. They take up less space and you can store them at home and still look at them. But they're one of those things that you don't ever yeah. use them, but they're a great investment because mm-hmm. they certainly um, increase in value.
0: Yeah, well, at least with the number plates, you can use them without worrying that they're going to devalue because if they get nicked, well, you just replace them. Um, it's not tied to... For for most things anyway, but what I do find interesting is that yeah, with the Ferrari and um, with the McLarens, those get used and they get used a lot all around the world, mm-hmm. um, and so that they're fairly well documented. And so I find this interesting that it's kind. Of, it's always the, the the dilemma when buying a car is zero. You know, is super low kilometers better than super high kilometers, or you know, well used and and. I, so there's a lot of people that would tell you one way or the other. Um, some will say, well, get the high mileage car because it's still the same car and and we know that it's not going to break. It's being looked after as long as the servicing is fine. You're great. Um, where compared to a car, if you haven't used it, well, you know, you're going to have a lot more maintenance things to do and and a lot more Headaches essentially before you're able to use it. Um, obviously, if this is sitting in Lamborghini's storage facility, I assume that it's going to be stored properly. Um, but yeah, it's a shame it won't really see the track, and I wonder if that will affect uh, its value over time compared to the other vehicles.
1: Yeah, I mean, it still obviously has to be managed and stuff like that, and make sure that it's cared for. But yeah, it's kind of a weird, um, uh, kind of a weird one, really.
0: Yeah, and particularly when those cars do have a a different sort of shelf life. Um, Ferrari have done a, and I I ran into, when when Ferrari had their Ferrari racing days here um, back in 2012 at Sydney Motorsport Park, I was able to talk to a few FXX owners um, and... You know, it's it's a totally different world um, that you're part of when when you join that program. But the thing is, is that Ferrari is very involved, and they and there's a lot of things which they do to keep you involved. And um, you know, they just. Offer plenty of opportunities for you to use your car, and also, but the thing is, is that as soon as that next model comes through, there's a few people that will hold on to their older ones, and Ferrari will obviously service that and and help that, but they want you to move to the new one, the net new one that's faster. And so I wonder if this is a long term investment will really pay off in the same way, which they hope as those other ones. But again, only time will tell. Um, but yeah, it's a crying shame that it won't really ultimately get used, and um, yeah. But but that's cars these days anyway uh, for a lot of people. Correct. Okay, uh, Ferrari. So back onto Ferrari now. They're entering um, the Le Mans hypercar category. So this is a new category that's starting. It's replacing the LMP1, which sort of saw interest from manufacturers um, die off over the last handful of years, not helped by uh, Volkswagen's um, Dieselgate, which affected Audi and Porsche, which both were very successful um, in their campaigns, but with the realignment of their their focus, it um, it meant that essentially that category, with except for a few privateers and um, in Toyota, most notably, um, the the category basically sort of stagnated. But with the hypercars. They're not exactly the same as road-going hypercars, which you might think of. Um, if you look at a photo, it's very... It's, it's kind of like a, a mix between a, a, a lower, you know... A, a, what, what would you say, Joel? A softer version of an LMP1 car?
1: Yeah, basically more a road-going version, slightly yeah. different. Um, and it does yeah.
0: need road-going versions to be sold as well. So it's not like the prototype. It is a production car series. Um, so that's going to be really interesting... Uh, to see, but it's exciting to have Ferrari rejoin, and, and what we're going to see come out of it. Um, it's probably even, you know, this is part of the the restructure of the Formula One budget caps. Is that Ferrari has got now got this extra money, and they've got this personnel available, and they might as well reinvest it into another category.
1: Yeah, it's certainly interesting to see that what they're they're doing with this. It certainly allows them. I mean, they've been in. Um, the other uh gtl gtlm classes for the last mm-hmm. couple of years yeah this is their first chance since um you know since sort of the 70s to actually go for an outright victory and yeah. this is exciting um for anyone that's a le mans fan or even a ferrari fan the fact that they're actually going to um to go for an outright um lmh you know or out outright um, uh, win in not only at Le Mans but also in the FIA World Endurance Championship. I think this is uh this is really exciting stuff and as we were saying before we came on air tonight Ash, I think you know who else is going to follow suit, you know, who else yeah. is going to want to be part of this. So I think it's um it's pretty exciting for um, Well for will we
0: see will we see Ford re-enter after a few successful years of Ferrari and yeah, and know. have a whole new uh, Ford versus Ferrari, who knows? It's, this is where it kicked of, it off.
1: It would be good to see, but you know who knows what um, what the plan is
0: yeah so well let's talk about supercars supercars how did how did the first round go what do we um, it was nice to see cars back on track uh, but um but you know tackling the the, the mountain yeah, uh, it was for, a, certainly, for an opening um, season it was
1: certainly interesting and um, you know being at Bathurst in the earlier time of the year it was a lot hotter um, I know I think the, one of the funniest things that come out of the weekend was obviously this is our first round without Scotty McLaughlin, but Scotty was still part of it. He was on Twitter flat out tweeting um, and commentating <laughs> on uh, almost every session and he was absolutely hilarious. So um, if you don't already already follow Scotty McLaughlin on, uh, on Twitter, certainly go and you're on Twitter go and follow him because he was just on fire over the weekend. he was hilarious. Um, and, you know, it was really, really interesting. But, yeah, I mean, new cars, new teams. Um, and, and, yeah, it didn't didn't end well for some people. Uh, Will Brown was one of the first to bin it in his Erebus um, early. Luckily, the team got it fixed. But I think the, the heartbreaking thing for the weekend was... Um, was Tim Slade and and the Cool Drive team they went from being heroes and being on the front row of the grid in the first race uh qualifying really well really really fast car in there in their Mustang to Tim just having an unfortunate incident uh coming back down the mountain he just mispicked a gear um and it literally the car shifted into first on him and let go at the back end very similar Location to where Chaz had uh, his crash a couple of years ago and just destroyed the car, unfortunately. Um, so absolutely heartbreaking moment for, for him and the team, and the car was so badly damaged, and he was in he was in for a, a top five finish um, in the first race on Saturday, but unfortunately crashed out with only a few ups to go. But the car was so badly damaged that it didn't um, it, it didn't restart on Sunday. So it's a real shame for them because they've got some seriously quick form. Um, and you know they will be a team to watch this year. I reckon Tim and Tim um, Slade and Blanchard have put together a really good package and a really good team, and I think we uh, they will be ones to watch this this season. But um, it was very much uh, um, uh, Shane van Gisbergen recall <laughs> yeah. weekend with two wins from two races. Mm. But it was very much a mixed. The commentators even made note at one point that there were five different teams in the top five in um, yeah. one of the races, but um, you know, even some of the best uh, had moments and had issues. Um, the cutting was one of the ways that, that cost, that cost a, f- a few people uh, some incidents over the weekend. But mm-hmm. yeah, look, all in all, it was interesting. Saturday's race was a little bit sort of um, unexciting mm. about Tim's accident. Um, but yeah, it was... But then Sunday's race was certainly more interesting. But um, yeah, I think we've seen uh, a lot of... Interesting speed from a lot of new, from a lot of teams. Wau and Mozart, um, uh, Chaz were were pretty quick. Uh, they'll be one to watch, uh, I think, this season. Um, obviously, you know Triple Eight are up there, but then obviously Tickford are really up there as well with Cam Waters um, as well, who was very very quick over the weekend, but. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting season. So, obviously, we're in Sandown next because we don't have the Grand Prix. Um, So that'll be interesting to watch, you know, earlier time of the year for them. Normally, it's at the other end of the year. Um, So, yeah, I think it could be a very, very interesting season. Um, And I think we might have another really close um, finish to the championship. Uh, do you think uh, those arrow
0: tweaks for the front ducting and things like that for the Commodores made a bit of a, a noticeable
1: difference this weekend, or? um, um uh, so the still- interesting thing was is that um, from what I heard from a couple of comments over the across the weekend, was they thought that the um, some of the Commodores, um, Shane said in particular that they were having issues with straight line speed. Um, yeah right. Okay. They weren't as quick in certain areas across the mountains, so hard to say because you know the mountain is traditionally not a sprint round, so it does throw it out and make it a little bit different for um, for the teams in you know basically seeing where the cars sit after being there because um, yeah. effectively they've had almost back to back rounds there. They finished at Bathurst and they started at Bathurst, so until we really see them, you know Sandown will be the next the next sort of, you know, key thing to see where that all falls. I don't know. I'm not seeing anything stand out as being... There's been a real change as a result of that. So, you know, we go um, from Sandown, we go to Tassie, and then we go to to um, South Australia. So it's kind of an interesting start to the season with, you know, a variety of different rounds. So um, Yeah. But, yeah, I think it's going to be you know, an interesting season, and it'll be interesting to see where, if anything those aero tweaks do come into play.
0: Yeah, and um, I'm just I'm just looking up the news right now, but I've just come across the, uh, the earthquake that happened um, not too long ago in Japan has seemingly... Created a lot of damage for one of um, the most iconic Japanese circuits, which is the uh, the Bisu Circuit, um, and yeah, within the Fukush- it's within the Fukushima region, and um, yeah. So what's what's interesting is, um, yeah, the seven point three earthquake on the thirteenth of February has, um, yeah caused a number of landslides which have damaged the track and so now they're seeking support um you know they're doing a bit of a fundraiser at the moment to help bring that that circuit obviously to get the funds to be able to repair the circuit um it is one of the most iconic ones um if you know your your global uh racing tracks but yeah looking at the photos it's pretty devastating to to see where essentially entire sections of the track gone. um but yeah, if you if you go to Ebisu Circuit ebisu-circuit.com, um, if you if you're wanting to, to make a donation, you're able to do it through there. Um, but yeah, it's always sad when a, when a
1: yeah the landslide was a bit of a mess. It did take out quite a a large section of uh, the hillside and also across the top of the across the track. So um, hopefully they'll um, be able to get that fixed.
0: Yeah, so that, that was only running. just uh, the donation page. was only just put up a, a little short while ago. So, yeah, we'll um, hopefully get some, some bit of the global community behind them. Uh, but let's have a look at our local news now. Um, we'll go through a few of the things that didn't make a headline. So, first one um, is our regional charging uh, network, the... Essentially, offering uh, it's it's a Linger. It's a new it's a new charging network, and um, they're offering free of charge charging in um, small regional towns around Victoria to basically encourage um, the uptake of EVs as well as to boost uh, tourism visiting numbers through that area. It's it's a great. Um, great initiative great great thing to, to offer and um, also to to give you somewhere a point of interest to, to go and charge as well um, so this is a, a great way to encourage road tripping in your in your EV with a little bit of confidence because that is we, we talk about it every week um, the infrastructure is lacking and so that's um, you know that makes a makes a big difference when we have a, a building out of our regional network. So, um, they're partnering with car makers as well. Um, so so far, those partners include Jaguar, Land Rover, Volkswagen, Skoda, and BMW. And um, yeah, the, it's it's great to sort of also have these um, car makers work, you know, essentially somewhat working together um, to help boost out and uh, drive this network.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting to see that they're trying to support. The ability for people to drove, go into country Victoria, um, and spend time in there, and actually still have the ability to be able to um, still charge charge their EVs and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah,
0: yeah, and this is the the great thing of it is um, it gives you a chance to go and explore the town. Normally, you know, the the shame and, and the harmful part of uh, you know the way that even bypasses are built these days. A lot of towns are used to drive through. You just don't stop in them anymore, um, but you know, this is a chance for for people to stop and slow down, and you know, explore the little town in which they they stop into, and and you know, inject some money into the economy, but also take something away from them as well of exploring that part of the country rather than stopping in, filling up for twenty minutes, and then going again, uh, which you'd normally do in your um, petrol powered car. So, yeah, this is uh this is pretty pretty nice, and um, the cost. they're Talking about the economics of it as well as um obviously the carrot is the free electricity, um. For the discretionary spending that comes the other way, so yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty nice uh to, to have this, and hopefully we see it more outside of Victoria as well, and um, particularly here in Queensland. It would be great. There's plenty of great places to visit um in our regional areas.
1: Yeah, exactly, especially in some of our regional areas.
0: Okay, so Subaru Brumby potentially coming back, but using the Toyota Hilux as a as the vehicle underneath essentially um, this is very interesting it's a bit of a um, yeah it's exciting to see the brumbury name sort of thrown around but yeah is there a way that we could be seeing Toyota sort of being the uh, the, the way to get that back on our roads
1: yeah it's interesting it was an interesting sort of story to, to appear um, on cars guide um, over the weekend. Um, or last week um, but yeah it was interesting to see that they are saying I mean look you know Subaru and Toyota have had obviously relationships before with the BRZ and the 86 mm-hmm. so what's not to say that Toyota, Subaru might, might want to get into that market you know more brands are coming into that that ute market we look at Ford are talking and having more of a smaller base unit um, yeah, Hyundai you know with, with their plans as well uh, so yeah I think it's one of those that um, you know has potential to, to maybe offer it if there is a business case for it. I think that's the thing. So, um, But, yeah, interesting thought to look at um, possibly a Hilux with a Subaru badge on the front. Yeah,
0: particularly when the Brumby wasn't necessarily that big either. Um, I think it has more of a cult following now than it did back then. I think so, yeah. I agree with that. But, um, but yeah... It, is it, is it one ute too many, maybe? Um, it is pretty crowded already, but um, obviously, yeah, if it's a bit of badge engineering and there's a few quirks that uh, that Subaru are known for, you know, who knows? It could be, could be uh, a nice thing to see on the roads. Um, moving on, Mercedes. Uh, we've got a couple of Mercedes things. Firstly... Uh, they're introducing a new G-Wagon. It's the 400D, so it's a diesel option that you can finally choose from. So if the uh, G63 is a bit too extreme, but you still want to spend a decent chunk of change on a a fairly, you know, at the core, there's nothing really special about a G-Wagon except for the shape and the the styling of it. But, um, you know, (laughs) yeah, but... Yeah, so you've got that option now. It's uh, it's not cheap, price from two hundred and thirty-three thousand dollars nine hundred. Um, and yeah, it is, as I say, casually positioned below the range topping Mercedes AMG G sixty three flagship. Um, which is also received a thirty thousand dollar price hike. So, obviously, to pad out that difference between the four hundred and the G sixty three, so the G sixty three will now start from two hundred eighty nine thousand three nine hundred, plus your on road costs. Um, these are really expensive four wheel drives.
1: They oh, yeah. oh, yeah. are. And we
0: we're talking about the Land Rover at two hundred thousand. Um, but yeah, it's easy to forget that these are bonkers for what that you know they're still i don't know i love seeing one on the road though so i'm it's a bit you know, i'm, I'm jumping all over the place but i love them but they're also a bit extreme mm. um but you know that's it's great to see that there's so many people driving them and um but it's usually but I, if you're I, gonna
1: buy if you're gonna spend 200 grand on a ah, on exactly a high suv that's kind of box like i'd definitely be going the defender v8 for sure
0: true yeah. And, but do you think people are going to buy the 400 or is this the, is this the thing to go? Okay. We're going to end, we're going to introduce the 400D because we want to justify the price jump of the G63. So we'll put the 400 at, you know, 50 grand less. And that will drive people to go to the G63 anyway because, well, they go, oh, for not much more, I might as well buy the one that everybody talks about. Um, I don't know. I just don't know how many people would be lining up to buy the 400, um, particularly when the other sort of previous generation vehicles that weren't the G63 we didn't really see sold in high numbers compared to, you know, the G63. But I don't know if if you want a boxy one and you don't want to and you don't have the budget cruise around military auctions the the, the australian military uses the g wagons the, the the commercial versions of them and um you know for fifty sixty thousand dollars you can pick up a fairly well-specced hardcore off-roader version um you know sometimes even less money so yeah i don't know if i wanted one of those i'd yeah I'll go that route probably but you don't get the 15 speaker Burmeister sound system Nappa leather heated front seats and three zone climate as well as you know all the other niceties that you see in a modern Mercedes exactly but oh well. Um, and staying in uh, the top end of the Mercedes tree. So they've launched their new S Class. Um, so priced at $240,000, 700 um, And that starts for the S450 Formatic. And um, yeah, I. Oh, this car just looks great. So from the outside, nothing too drastic. It, it's, it's just an evolution of the S-Class design. Um, but the most notable changes you'll see on the inside. So now you have um, the, the two 12-inch um, displays are gone. You've got one for your infrat- uh, for your um, instrument cluster, and then you have your center console which is essentially the size of a i think it's probably equivalent to like the large ipad pro screen size um so it's kind of like it's it's almost tesla like but it's not really um, and that's where all of your other controls are all done through um, but it's it seems to be just done in a very elegant way everything is wrapped in in some form of leather or metal um, and yeah it's a yeah, again, it's not cheap, but it's a very, you know, I think it's the for what the S class is. It's yet again another sort of tick in all the boxes for what the S class stands for.
1: Yeah, it's just the next evolution of it, you know, updating yep. the the tech, the uh, the look, and the design for what is going to be the next generation. And I will say,
0: um, based on previous S class models that I, I've driven and experienced. They retain the little pillows on the rear seats. And I have to say, I've never encountered a softer, more comfortable headrest ever. <laughs> um, it is simply the best. It, if I could have an actual pillow made out of whatever it is, just make it a little bit bigger. Uh, I'd love it. I'd love to have that. It is, yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a, little, really little thing considering everything else the car does. But yeah, sensational. <laughs> um. But yeah, so we, we spoke about this a little while when we weren't sure, but um, it seems like we're going to have the you know in in brackets the the world's fastest Ute ready to order in Australia, Joel.
1: Yeah, this is exciting to read during the week. Um, I hadn't I saw it appear in the um, uh, online in a couple of stories, but I actually hadn't seen anything from. Um, Ram Oz. Um, but yeah, the, they're opening the order books with expressions of interest for the Ram 1500TX. So this is really, really good news. We we hoped it was coming, um, but yeah, you know, the books are open, deposits have been taken, but no pricing is yet. So um, I think if you have to ask the price, you can't afford it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think this is right. great. Um, it's really cool that the fact that they've got... Um, these hitting the hitting the road and, and stuff like that, so um, yeah, I think it'll be good, and I can't wait to see him on uh, on Aussie roads.
0: Yeah, it's um so a little bit of a reminder of what this is. So the fifteen hundred TRX is just bonkers um you know you've got a 522 kilowatt 868 newton meter 6.2 liter v8 um that's taken out of the dodge and jeep hellcat models um 0 100 4.5 seconds um yeah Basically, ride height is increased by 51 mil. Um, So your ground clearance is 300 mil. Your weighting depth is 813. Approach and departure breakover angles are 30 degrees, 23, and 21.9 degrees, respectively. And you can have a maximum payload of 594 kilos. Um, But your maximum brake towing capacity is 3.6 ton. Um, Yeah, so second half of uh, 2021. And um, yeah, I... Going to send an email to go if you put one on press, please mm. let me know. I'd love to experience this. <laughs> yeah, the and um, yeah. I'll just make sure of the the little petrol budget is increased for that one. Yeah, because I don't think, <laughs> I think it's going to be very uh, economical. You know, it's it's, it's yeah
1: no. <laughs> so you don't buy it for a fuel efficient.
0: No. <laughs> Okay, um, we talked about it last week, um, but the new Subaru WRX and STI. um, So, reporting out of Japan, 213 kilowatts of power, 412 newton-metres of torque uh, from the 2.4-litre four-cylinder turbo petrol boxer engine. Um, Yeah, so, again, I don't know. It's not really much of a a super update, but the imagery of the Lavore looks quite nice if that's what we're going to be seeing from the WRX.
1: Yeah, the uh, this new look is uh, really nice. I think it's a subtle tweak on um, the front end, but yeah, um, yeah uh, Look, this is you know this is exciting stuff. We talked about it previously. Um, we're looking forward to it. I'm really digging the, um, the 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 look and everything. So, um, a bit yeah. sharper, isn't it? A bit yeah. bit more, a few more angles. Every time they've done an update on the on the Lavorgel, when this was first actually when this was first released in Japan, um, I think I actually reached out to um Subaru and said when are we getting this? You know, I really like this this look and, yeah. and stuff. So yeah, it's a it's a really nice tweak. I love a lot of Org when I had it. Um really, really enjoyed uh driving it. It's a really cool um vehicle um and you know obviously it's a it's a wagon so you know it's extra points for me in terms of the uh, the scheme of things but
0: um yeah yeah and and for those listening who haven't seen the photos essentially if you if you pull up a photo of the wrx um and pinch the corners of the front sort of the top corner the the insides um of each of the key features on the front and it's kind of like an, ind- that's sort of an indication of where it's sort of going. Um, it's it's a less rounded and just a few more sharper angles, really. Um, because uh, on, on the au article, they've got, the uh, the vehicles for sale on the right hand side and the photos directly aligned to it and you can sort of see the, the familiarities but also yeah where those tweaks are where it's just like that yeah they've looked like they've got the grab tool in Photoshop and just sharpened out and and made what was a rounded corner into a, you know a little sharp angle but no so we'll we'll keep you informed on that as we go as we as we get more information coming through. So, Lexus, they, um, they had a big launch. We, we spoke about a few of the new vehicles last week and, um, disappointingly, at that point, there was no ISF um, update on the books, but apparently it's now on the cards with it being a twin-turbo V8 as well. Um, 400 kilowatts, which is just obscene, you know, obscene um, for a car like this. It looks like, based on these photos of even the IS300, real... Exhaust tips as well. That's uh, something that Mercedes C63 can't say. Um,
1: but yeah, I'm, I'm really liking the look of this. This is quite quite promising. Yeah, this is pretty cool. The um, well, they announced the Lexus IS 500 F Sport, um, but apparently it's only available in the US, now, which is a shame. Uh, I really hope that they do bring this to Oz because you know the IS. The IS um, models with an F-Sport with a V8 would just be absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, after the, the, the discontinuation of the GSF, um, you know, having an IS, you know, F-Sport F uh, even is, you know, is pretty cool. So, yeah, the fact that they're talking for the, um, the, the ISF might come back with a twin-turbo V8, that's just brilliant. You know, Lexus do great V8s. Um, I do great sports cars, so yeah, uh, this is um, this is pretty exciting. So I really hope that this um, this this comes through.
0: Yeah, certainly won't be friendly to uh, rear tires. That's uh, no. what Lexus knows what to do uh, with them. It's the uh, it's the yeah high powered V8 that destroys all things rubber. Um, that's probably an apt description. Um, but Volkswagen not wanting to be left out on. Um, Sort of the Wolfsburg edition uh, rolling out across different models. So, the latest one to receive that treatment is the Tiguan Allspace. Um, so it's a nice little tweak. Sort of particularly picks up the design on the outside, makes it look a little bit more sporty and um, less family car-like, if you could if you could call it that.
1: Yeah, it's um, the Wolfsburg editions have always been quite nice in terms of their uniqueness with the trim that they've changed and, and things like that. So it's nice that there we've seen it with, um, you know, with a with the Tiguan Allspace, so which is yeah. just that little bit nicer in size um, compared to the standard Tiguan.
0: Yeah, so it is a, um, a limited edition. Um, it is uh, priced from $59,990 plus your on-road costs. And um, yeah, so it's it's actually quite nice. It's it's due to release in June. And um, you do have the sort of the exterior treatments include the large 20-inch gloss black Suzuka, Alloy wheels, black paint applied to the lower front grille, mirrors, roof rails, and window surrounds, and um, dark ninety percent light-absorbing window tint and special Wolfsburg badging. Um, yeah, I think this is quite cool. And um, if you don't know, Wolfsburg is um, the the location of um, Volkswagen's home and global headquarters um but yeah so it's quite nice and uh, if you in terms of paint options pure white exterior paint is a standard no cost option and um your metallic pyrite silver metallic platinum gray or pearl effect deep black which is just stunning to see in person um will cost another 800 dollars um but yeah the the silver is brilliant and um but yeah that deep black if you can keep it clean just uh is a standout color available um but Power-wise, so you've got two-liter four-cylinder turbo petrol. Um, it's the same one found in the GTI, um, so it's 162 oh, from the Golf GTI. Um, but it's 162 kilowatts of power, 350 new meters of torque, and um, it's just slightly detuned from the GTI. But yeah, typical seven-speed DSG auto, um, and it's obviously it's a all-wheel drive with the Volkswagen's four-motion system. And uh, 6.8 seconds, 0 to 100 fuel consumption rated at um, a slightly thirsty 9 litres per 100 kilometres. But, yeah, I I like it. I like the look, Um, particularly on their SUVs from Volkswagen. Just the current design just makes it look really, I don't know, nice. Just nothing too over the top, but just, just, yeah, kind of polished, you know. You, You could take it anywhere, really, and not stand out too far, which is, I think, a nice thing sometimes um, but another one for range and pricing uh, Hyundai uh, and their Tucson so it's um, they're offering three new model grades across the Tucson with um, some extra safety packed in and um, the option of an N-line package which I think is probably for me it'd be the pick um, but yeah there is actually oh sorry there is no pricing for this one but we do just have the specs available so um let me just bring that up. Oh, I can't find it now. It's disappeared on me. Um, essentially, yeah, interior-wise, you've got your two large uh, digital displays. It's a floating center console, so there's a bit of a disconnect there. Um, what Car- CarPlay... Uh, What is it? Yeah, so choice of all-wheel drive system. So 132 kilowatts of power from the 1.6 liter turbo and um, your 137 kilowatts for your diesel. So that's in the Elite and the Highlander and your entry level is 115 kilowatt, 192 new meter petrol four-cylinder driving to the front front wheels. Um, Yeah, so tech, I think it's pretty much exactly all what we've... um, Come to expect from our Hyundais and everything we've been talking about so far. Um, you've got seven airbags as standard, um, including a center airbag across the front seats. Um, so that's essentially now deemed necessary uh, for your five star cap to try and hit that rating. So, strongly expect that the new Tucson will hit that. As well, um, and then N Line, uh, first time it's sort of really been offered in a way um, with this with this option pack in a new way. So it meets with the i30, Kona, and Sonata as well. So it doesn't really increase your performance, but it just sort of adds a couple of sporty tweaks. So the N Line pack um, has. A body kit an exterior body kit so they as they say sportier bumpers and side skirts a gloss black grill and hidden daytime running lights 19 inch n-line alloy wheels silver n-line skid plates and an n-line steering wheel the pack also adds led headlights led combination taillights and a unique leather suede trimmed interior and your digital instrument cluster so yeah i kind of like it i like the look it's I didn't really love some of the photos, but seeing some of the real on-the-road models, I think it looks it looks tough. It looks wide. looks low, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it's definitely, a, like, again, it's one of those things. I think it's into that next generation kind of like, you know, across at Kia with what they're doing with some of their models. Yeah. You know, it's, it's been definitely a real updating design and a lot more aggressive look it's got that family feel to it now with obviously um, the i30 sedan looking similar to that grille and that more aggressive front end similar to what the new Santa Fe looks like um, but yeah I think the the lines on it are, uh, are quite good and again it's still got that very much American feel and design but um, the interior is nice with those screens and everything as well so yeah, I think it's um it's it's a, it's it's interesting model to come into the market. Um I'll see yeah. my first one in a couple of weeks. I'm doing some stuff for a Hyundai dealership, so I'm looking forward to seeing that when they uh when they get yeah.
0: them. And some of it probably isn't I don't know. The styling, I could see how it might be a little bit polarizing for some people. Um, yeah, but I think it's it very
1: there be certain people that wouldn't like it. Um, yeah, but but it, but it definitely fits
0: the... in with the new styling so even you know it fits right alongside like the new i30 um sedan that front grille design is very much uh like that so yeah i think we're going to be seeing a bit more of this design from hyundai as well as um we get more refreshes across the line um but including so we do have pricing and specs for the sonata n-line um i'm really liking this in photos i haven't seen one um in in person but
1: yeah this looks quite nice yeah a friend of mine drove one in the us and was very very impressed with it um says it's really really good it's one of their best models they've made in the last couple of years um so i'm intrigued to see you know how how it goes here um it does start at around 50 grand so um, yeah not cheap for 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 what it is but um, no yeah it's a whole lot of car
0: yeah, really sporty seats, uh, sunroof. I'm not sure about that steering wheel, though. It is a standard Hyundai steering steering wheel, but then you've got this weird sort of second bit of the steering wheel go up and over across the bottom, which I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. Um but overall, yeah, very, like what like we said before, very similar to the rest of our um, lineup in terms of the, the offerings and features that are fairly standard across here. Um, but you do have um, a few, because it's this is the the N-Line turbo model, you do have a a few different choices in terms of engine modes and and driving modes. So you've got normal sport, sport plus, as well as the custom mode. So you can sort of play around with the steering, engine, gearbox and the instrument cluster graphics. Um, But yeah, I... Again, this is sort of warming people up overall to the to the design. It's still very American influence, um, but you know I, I think uh, the Americans are onto some good stuff at the moment, um, and and I really like that alloy wheel design. It almost yeah. looks like uh, one of those patterns out of you know the kaleidoscopes when they yeah. give all the patterns. When you shine it into the light, it kind of looks a little bit like that. It's going to be a nightmare to clean, yep. um, so I'm not. I wouldn't be looking forward to that. Um, but I think it suits well on this bright red Sonata that they've got in the uh, in the hero shots. Mm. Okay, next up, finally. So I've actually uh, got got the new X Trail booked in um so they have shown some pricing and uh this isn't the new x-trail so this is essentially um a a a mild facelift um that adds a few different features so we do get carplay now thankfully um but this is just to tide us over until the new you know the totally new x-trail arrives um next year And um, it does have a slight price range, uh, price rise as well from 700, about $700. So a list price of starting at 30,665 before you're on roads. And, um, You've got your your different uh, essential pricing moving on from there. So ST four wheel drive is thirty two sixty five, seven seat automatic, ST is thirty four thousand. Your five seat all wheel drive is thirty four thousand, and then you've got the STL uh, and then the TI as well. So the TI is at a fairly chunky forty five thousand or forty six thousand um, dollars, but you also have a tan leather option as a no cost but i think the the nicest thing to have is finally apple carplay android auto across the extra range you also have digital radio which was missing um as well as the other parts from nissan's multi sort of their latest infotainment um system so you do also have a slightly larger 7 inch Touchscreen. Um, basically, everything else remains the same um, with uh, just the ST picking up 17-inch alloy wheels. Um, but you do have your daytime running lights, roof spoiler, reversing camera, keyless entry, push button start. Um, so all of that basically adds all the same. And um, yeah, yeah, sort of pick up features as you go. Um Manual is still available in your base level ST 2.0L front-wheel drive. Um, so that's a nice thing if somebody's looking for that uh, manual option, but it is the only manual available across the entire range. So that's a, a little bit of a disappointment, but I can't see them moving. You know, I don't think the demand for the manual is terribly high.
1: No, I can't see it in one of these. I think it'd be um, highly unlikely that it'd be a big seller. I think um, most people are going to go with the auto and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: bring a trailer. So, how do we go so far with our um, with our auctions? I don't think they've quite wrapped up yet.
1: Uh, no, yours is uh, still going. Um, I think you had a look at it before, and it was still got a few hours left on it. Yeah, so there's about nine hours, I think, on
0: mine, and um, the price was at $156,000, um, which is a good chunk of change for the BMW Z8. Um, and, and how's your Porsche 911 going?
1: Yeah, that's sold. Uh, so that was the uh, Safari um, 2007 Porsche 911. That sold for $121,000. So Gee, um, that's,
0: a that's, lot of money that's pretty for, good. Uh, for what it is. Yeah, so... Um, so <laughs> every week um, if you if you're new to listening to us we, we jump on bringatrailer.com it's a, it's a us auction site and um, there's a whole bunch of wonderful uh, and unique cars that typically pop up on there and uh, every week we jump on and, and have a look at some of the interesting vehicles that come on and sort of we come and pick out you know we, we pick a car each week and and have a chat about it and uh, see how it goes when it sells uh, in the next episode. So did you find anything this week, Joel?
1: Yeah, I didn't have to scroll far this week. I literally went to the okay. first page. Yeah. Uh, first first line, first line, first ad for me this week, which is a real easy, no brainer. I didn't even scroll the rest of the page. I was happy wow. with the, this first choice, which was um, a 2014 Chevrolet Corvette C7R, which is a GT factory race car by Pratt & Miller. So it is an ex-race um, car that ran in IMSA. Um, Wow. This particular car, it's currently sitting at 600,000. It's got seven and a half hours left to go. Um, It comes with a Is 600,000? Yeah. Wow. Um, And it actually comes with a letter from Pratt Miller saying that this is one of the... um, This chassis actually did win the Rolex 24-hour and Uh the Mobil 1 12-hour of Sebring in 2015. Uh, and the car also ran the prestigious 24-hour of, of Le Mans in 24 and 20 2014 and 2015. Um, yeah, it's one. It's chassis three of seven that were built. So this is a piece of motoring history. Um, you know, in terms of what the Corvette. Um, has done. These were, uh, this was awesome. I mean, this was kind of, you know, the story of American muscle going to Le Mans and, and taking on Europe and stuff like that, you know, around the same time that um, Ford was doing similar things with the, the Ford GT. But yeah, this was awesome from GM and, and the fact that it's for sale and the fact that it's on bring a trailer, it's, um yeah, it's, it's awesome. So yeah, pretty uh, excited to see this and first up
0: yeah it certainly uh, makes uh, finding your car nice and easy when yeah. it's first up but yeah great piece front. of history what a car um, so mine isn't a car um, nor is it a race car it is a 1962 Porsche diesel 238 standard start tractor oh nice so big red tractor it is the one that um more whenever i go into the porsche dealership they always have on part of that loop the video where the farmer calls up the dealership and asks for a part mm-hmm. and um the the service assistant is you know is going oh is what what model is it and um he, he says the model number and she goes oh don't you mean 911 he's like no 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 it's a it's a different one and then service advisor you know sort of like the manager walks over and goes oh hang on <laughs> I know what this is and they uncover the the you know the, the booklet and and find the part and the, and the gentleman drives his tractor in uh, into the Porsche dealership it's a big red tractor very similar to this one and um, so he walks in he, he gives them the key Gives them that look, you know, look after my baby, and uh, and then drives off in a nine eleven as the loan car. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, this would be a great thing to have as a as a garage showpiece for sure.
1: Oh, yeah, I'd definitely. love
0: to have something like yeah, that. on so Oh yeah, but um, no, it's a nice bit of history as part of the the Porsche Porsche brand, and um, it's currently ninety one hundred dollars. Um, it ends in two days so it'll be interesting to see how that one goes and um, I've never really looked up the tractors and their value, so I don't know where it really should sit yeah, should um, so yeah we'll we'll see see how that one goes so I'll drop that into our notes here so we can keep track of that there we go and then uh, we'll, we'll jump on and have a look at the few international items so this one is going to upset a few people but um Volkswagen, have uh, revealed a Golf GTI Club Sport 45. It is a a pretty special um, part of the Golf GTI, sort of celebrating the the 45th anniversary of the GTI name. And um, yeah, unfortunately, it won't be coming to Australia, even though... This, I think, would sell in no time. Um, It's it's a fairly aggressive strip, not really stripped down version, but very focused version. So it's got a 2-litre turbocharged 4-cylinder petrol engine with 221 kilowatts of, of power. And 400 newton meters of torque, going through the front wheels with a seven-speed dual-clutch transmission. Um, yeah, it's it's not cheap either. It's it's starting for sale in Germany at 47,000 euros, um, or about 75,000 dollars here. So it's adding about 5,000 euros on top of the the. The regular club club sport GTI, um, but yeah, I I just love the look of this thing from the alloy wheels, just the simple badging in the back as well, in um, that interior with the the grey and red highlights. I think um just looks looks really nice.
1: Yeah, it's um it's quite aggressive, I think, as well with that front lip on it as well, and the, and the new. Um, design around the lights and the grill with that um, the line that runs all the way across the top of the lights and across through yeah. the bonnet it's quite cool
0: and it's been a long time since I've actually looked at a a, a, a golf interior, and um, it it's very like it it mashes a few different things together. You can see the Audi influence as well, but you can also see a little bit of Hyundai in the way that the the two main screens are laid out. But um, I love it. It's so simple with all these digital screens. It just simplifies things so much, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does.
0: Yeah, no, so that's... um Unfortunately, yeah, it's not going to be uh, available, but, yeah, the the additions include a black roof, black rear spoiler, um, the 19-inch Scottsdale black alloy wheels with a tornado red pinstripe, so that's that black and gray and red that we're talking about, 45 side decals, a 45 badge on the tailgate, tailgate and the race package, which also includes a speed limit of delete, which I'm sure people in Germany are very happy about. <laughs> oh, yeah, for the and, yeah, that's right, and a, and a sports exhaust system. So yeah, I think that's um, yeah, really cool, really cool addition. I love it, but it's just a shame we won't see any here at all. Um, but yeah, but going all the way to the other extreme. So, if, do you have a Joel? Would you happen to have a spare for five point five million dollars at all?
1: <laughs>
0: um, because yeah, Gordon Murray, the the T 50s S. Um, if the, the regular one wasn't extreme enough for you, that's okay. There's a track-only version, and um, it's it's a Niki Lauda edition, um, which is a 540-kilowatt V12, and, um, yeah, has that healthy price tag of $5.5 5 million. I'm but,
1: digging this design. I actually like this. Yeah. It's kind of a nice tweak on the... Um, not that it's been out for long, but it's a nice tweak on the on the TS50, mm. and I'm um, liking some of the bodywork. I think the fact also the color, I think, is quite strong. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And very bold, so I think that kinda of works well for it as well. In in
0: the colour, it looks like a mash of obviously you can see the the F1 influence and McLaren F1 influence. Um, but at the same time there's a, in the front nose, there's a in this particular track focus version, there's a little bit of a, a saline S7 look. Yeah, it does um, have that bit of a look, you doesn't it? Yeah. yeah.
1: That long sort of nose and stuff. But yeah, it's very much a an S seven and you would almost think that from a glance from the front um, that it could even be an updated S7. <laughs> yeah. Which, um,
0: you know, it's, it's easy to forget these cars that were, you know, we really had a bonkers early 2000s, didn't we, with uh, with these sorts of cars, and it seems like we're having that happen all over again. Very much so. Um, but it is limited to just 25 cars, and um, I'm pretty sure that all of these have pretty much already oh, been sold. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do love on this design, so you do have that centre roof... Uh, scoop that's directing air into the engine but extending off that you have that shark fin that then connects into that rear wing which i just love from a from a design point of view just looks so sleek and um it didn't necessarily work on the formula one cars you know during the last a few seasons ago where they had these massive shark fins but on a car like this where it can be integrated into that rear spoiler just looks sensational
1: yeah very much so um and yeah it's exciting to see that they've gone out and done this um, you know, track version of it, um, yeah. But yeah, that that center wing is is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. So they also, um, so the entire body is made out of carbon fiber, um, but the the T50s gains ultra thin glass to, to save weight. So again, shedding a little bit more of weight, um, and yeah, with the uh, the the body, the new. tweaks Um, in the aero it can produce up to 1900 kilos of downforce Um, but yeah they said that although that figure was reduced to 1500 kilos for the sake of the driver Mm -hmm. who would struggle to cope with the cornering g-force at higher levels of downforce Um, So, yeah, how's that? But um, the interior-wise, it's very much a race car. Um, The the steering wheel is minimalist. uh, You have your control board of all your switches. And, um, yeah, I can't wait for the videos of these to to pop up online. Um, But, yeah, this is what it's... You know, this is the beauty of a car like this. You know, it's track only, so they can just go bonkers. And, you know, they don't really have to worry about the road legal side of things so if you don't want this you don't want that you want to add that in you know they can do it and uh yeah it, it sort of merges a lot of these lmp1 things we were talking about before and um you know would it be wouldn't it be surprising you know we saw uh gordon murray do a take on an lmp or, or you know the lamont hypercar even um evolving this design a bit further.
1: Yeah, look, never say never in terms of him and what he's done in the past, you know. Yeah. And it's possible <laughs> that he's running his own company.
0: Yeah, but um, yeah, this is the stuff that I love to see. It's uh, And it's all V12 as well, which is just sensational. Um, moving on, maybe just a little bit more attainable um, is uh, the Aston Martin Valhalla, which is their mid-engined, more affordable version of the Valkyrie, if you can kind of call it that. Um, but we do know that it will be using an Aston Martin designed, oh, sorry, it won't be using an Aston Martin designed V6, but it'll actually be using a Mercedes engine to power the project. Um, now, I don't know, part of it would go, I'm not really that surprised given the relationship that Aston Martin and Mercedes obviously now have within the F1 world and um, Mercedes is definitely hands down at the moment if you want to build a you know turbocharged V6 you know in a, a hypercar you'd probably turn to Mercedes they know how to build a pretty good V6 uh, for a high performance car so yeah. yeah it's um it's sort of we don't have much more information out of this um but I guess they will be getting a fairly good deal on this given that Mercedes does own a 20% stake in Aston Martin. And um, it's one way if you, if you are in a company that's in a fairly precarious position, it doesn't really make sense to go and build your own when uh, you can take one off the shelf and, and put it into the car.
1: Yeah, exactly. When you've got a partnership like they have with Mercedes, it makes sense to pull from that catalogue. And, um, and as much as they would like to be able to um, you know, be building their own Engines, you know, it's it's another cost thing. And when the business itself hasn't been doing all the best and they've actually had to seek from, you know, other Mm. outside investors, uh, it kind of makes sense that, you know, they pull from something like Mercedes to make it easier in the scheme of things so they can continue making the cars like they want to.
0: Absolutely. And also when, um, you know, they are wanting to uh, be... In control of their, their 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 destiny in a way by building their own engines, um, it is still one of those things. Of the reality at the moment is, is that they don't have a product that sort of fits into that. So um, it makes a lot of sense to to use a tried and tested version um, to get you know to get your your, your product out to market. Um, you know, some very good people said, you know, if you're trying to do some something, do the shortest and and fastest way um or the sorry it was it's the surest and fastest way to get to your goal and um, obviously for aston martin that is uh taking that engine off the shelf and putting it into the project because at the moment they're not selling any cars so until that gets onto the road they can't realize any of those um those purchases
1: yeah exactly
0: okay well look that's uh You know, fairly packed, uh, packed news uh, this week. Um, A few bits of pricing and just sort of general reveals. Um, Who knows what next week is going to to have ahead for us? But um. We'll have more Formula One news. We'll have some more information. You know, hopefully, we'll see. We'll, we'll keep track of the supercars as well, and um, of course, uh, to keep track of that, you can keep up. Keep up with what Joel is doing um, at Joel Strick Photo. Um, you can follow us at Daily Autofix. If you have a question um, you'd like us to to answer, you can send us an email at shows at DailyAutofix.com. Um, but yeah, make sure you leave us a you know a review on uh, on on iTunes, the Apple Podcasting app, and uh, yeah, tell your friends about us. But Joel,
1: anything uh, anything planned this week? Uh yes, I got a few things on this week. A bit of filming, just uh, and helping on a couple of shoots so yeah it's going to be a a busy busy week before um we've got a long weekend down here this weekend so um yeah it'll be an extra day to um catch up on some work will be nice and um yeah uh yeah looking forward to um trying to get through some uh uh and get out and enjoy the weather hopefully the last bit of summer before it finishes up
0: yeah before it gets really cold down there hey Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh well um yeah i'll Looking forward to to getting into the to the Palisade. Probably uh, head out to a few places and um, put some miles on. Yeah, looking forward to you um, Think of that. Yeah, no. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll come back uh, next weekend. We'll we'll talk all about it. But uh, but until then, stay safe, and uh, we'll see you next time.
1: See you next time.